times Tall tells some big lies Fall under your category Get with Aaron and Joe's Cause you know you wanna go And hear them cooking up a story Just get with Aaron and Joe's Hey, you know you wanna go And hear them cooking up a story Alright friends, welcome back to another episode of Cooking Up a Story with Aaron and Joe's. This episode is brought to you by Eli's Barbecue at 3313 Riverside Drive in Cincinnati, Ohio. Be sure to take all your friends. No, don't take anybody. They're busy. Just go by yourself. It's really good. You know, I was browsing through their website and I seen a creation that was just all appealing to me, Bill. You know, I'm a huge mashed potato guy. Really? I mean, our steaks for sheepdog mashed potatoes are pretty hard to beat. We've served them to tens of thousands. But as you can see right here on this screen, they take a big Mm. old dollop of buttery, creamy mashed potatoes and set them on that old flat top and basically get a sear on the bottom Mm. like a damn hash brown sun. That looks good. Looks damn good. Oh As you goodness. browse through that menu, is is the wieners on there? The old hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Look at oh, them. Oh shit, boys! Man, that is a loaded dog. That is. I bet you that slap the hell out of one of them Chicago dogs any oh, day of the week. No yeah. comparison. Kind of appears that they've got a semi-dry rib, and I'm saying dry rubbed, not dry in moisture. And then you got them old sweet beans. I could tell that. Mm. That looks like the. Uh, the guy that we're going to bring on here in a second, Drew Simmons. That's some jalapeno cornbread. Maybe yeah, slightly. but I don't know. That might be that muffin cornbread. You know what I mean? Like that, mm. kind of like breakfast cornbread, that old sweet muffiny stuff that yeah. you got to have a big old bowl of milk to sop it up with. Yeah. But uh, this is who we're going to bring on. Now, I didn't know Drew until a while back. And let me tell you, in our lives, every now and again, there's a special person just shows up in your life. Someone that you could look at and you could tell they ain't scared to be who they want to be. Yep. Uh, typically, that comes with facial hair. <laughs> uh, a man, you know, like Joe Martinez always is real sculptive with, with his facial fuzz. He can create different designs and, and do goatees and zigzags and all that if you went through this drew simmons <laughs> facebook page and you went through his recent life and you seen the obstacles that this man has put on his face from big old dangly choppy things to twisted up waxed up deals from full big beard that one one of our uh thumbnails one of our people on facebook oh. said there must be some rabbits in there uh <laughs> tell you quail or two <laughs> there, there's all kinds you know if if you're going to show out in life I, I i don't know if you could do it with a bald face man Mm-mm. it's kind of a, it's, it's part of being a man it's got to do you feel like facial hair is i mean like among men when you're carving something out you know, are you thinking about, hey, they, them women are going to like that, or, 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 or do you <laughs> I do think it? you're doing it just for yourself and the other guys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But that's where that's where I was going. I mean, you know, because a, a guy is going to say, God dang, that one's got a good-looking mustache. I mean, a few times a year, I'll do a mustache, oh, and yeah. it takes a select woman to like a 
Do nice that. mustache. <laughs> so does your wife not like it when you have mustache? She actually does. does See, she, my she wife hates does. it when I have anything but a goatee. Okay. Hmm. I get a beard. She hates it. I don't guess I've ever stuck around to listen to what my wife likes on that. <laughs> I just go with. Well, that might work out better for you if you do. Just, so, just saying. The one thing that I've never been able to do is do the carving of the mustache. Like, you, you know how some of them folks will do the old top, like I in between. I do so. Like, do you do right plump. there at the divot? No, I just hit the sides. If I don't, it grows right up into my nose. Well, you nope. ever done it? Are you a nope, Bill? You ever carve right up on the top? No. It just depends on how your hair. Mine grows straight out. Mm-hmm. So if I don't shave that right there, it'll go right in my nose. No. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Simmons, legendary. Uh, what is he? Well, he's the world champion squirrel cookoff winner. He's the 2023 world champion. Number one. Don't get a cook-off winner. He's not only that, he's a briar of sorts. Mm. We'll we'll jump into that deal. Yeah, I'll let you explain that. If you look up this Eli's Barbecue on the Googles, it's got all kinds of stars and It'll get your taste buds fired up. These boys operate one of my favorite cuisines, which would be that barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they're doing a damn fine job of it right there in Cincinnati, Ohio. When you think of the barbecue triangle, I mean, it's pretty common knowledge to think about <laughs> Cincinnati. That and chili, huh? But We brought it back here. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, takes a, it takes a special operation to put barbecue on a map. Uh, you know, here a while back, I looked at like the top 10 barbecue cities in America and they didn't have Kansas City nor Memphis on there. Really? I think things it are, was written by liberals. Things are... Mm. <laughs> it had to be. Mm. I mean, it had to be something. Because if you skip out... I may not be the biggest fan of Kansas City barbecue. I don't know if you guys are or not. I think it's all right. I can eat it I think it's good. As there's, long as I leave the sauce off of it. There's some damn right. fine exactly barbecue in way. Kansas City. Yeah. But to leave Memphis off of a barbecue map would be... Yeah, I mean, it'd be like watching NBC or something. <laughs> like porn with no nudity. Just <laughs> <laughs> <This> ain't right. <laughs> it would be a, a rough deal. Drew Simmons, I'm glad that I called you this morning and told you that I was in a bind and needed a, a quality guest just as yourself. And uh, we're glad to have you here. Aaron, take it away. Yeah, Drew. So we typically like to start from the beginning. We like to get a little bit of your history. Uh, tell us, you know, where you're from, where you grew up, what did you do, do when you grew up, what did your parents do? Give us a little background of of what makes you who you are. All righty. Uh, well, first off, can y'all hear me all right? I'm here on this computer. I'm not real technical savvy. You're doing great. Sounds good. Loud and clear. All right. Well, I'm from Walton, Kentucky. Anybody doesn't know where that is, that's uh, about 20 minutes south of Cincinnati, right at 71-75 split. If you're going north on 75 and you see the great big old water tower, it says Florence, y'all, you went a little too far. How far is this from Noah's Ark? Uh, The Ark is probably about 15 minutes south of me. Okay. By God, I may have stayed in that damn town. You can see it from there. (laughs) I may have stayed in that town on 4th of July. Shoot, you missed all kinds of opportunity for fun. <laughs> well, yeah, I did I'm not, not have any. I've not seen the arc yet. I'm going to have to go. 
You just wait till them dinosaurs <laughs> pop out at Noah's Ark. It'll scare the crap out Shit, of you. Shit, I may just go to Bruce's house instead. <laughs> yeah. Sounds there you go. That collection. But, uh, yeah, I lived here most of my life. Uh, did a little bit of traveling. Uh, Mom, she's a school teacher, still is to this day. And my dad did construction growing up. Grandpa owned a bait shop. Learned a lot of lessons oh. at that bait shop. Oh, I bet. Learned the most important ones, how to count to 12. Customer's <laughs> usually an asshole. <laughs> and if you don't like it, stop at Walmart. <laughs> that sounds a lot like to Walmart. That sounds a lot like one of our guests we had in the back, oh, uh, Lucky Key. Mm. You know, Lucky had a bait shop down the road here on a small little lake. And what shut him out of business was whenever men stopped carrying cash in their pocket and started carrying them ATM cards. He yep. was not going to sell 12 minutes and have to pay a 30 cent service charge right. yeah. on you not putting a dollar in your pocket. And then them opening up the super center right down the road. Yeah, and then house. Walmart coming yep. down the road. But man, growing up in a bait shop, that had to be a great deal, Drew. It was big fun. I mean, when I skip school or play hooky, whatever you want to call it, that's where mom would send me. And I don't know if that was the best thing. <laughs> I mean, I learned so many daggone things from my grandfather. Great man. He used to be a door-to-door -door insurance salesman at one point in time. And he would take his waders and his fishing pole with him everywhere he'd go. And he'd stop and ask, mind if I fish here? Grandma thought he was working all damn day and night. He's just out there fishing. <laughs> That's kind of like uh, when you watch um, Secondhand Line. Yeah. You know, every, you ever watch Secondhand Line, Drew? I have. You know, you ever watch it, Aaron? Yeah. It is great right. movie. Two Bill, Bill, that's your homework assignment. You need to watch Secondhand Line. Never Don't. seen it, Bill? Well, is it a movie? Or? It is yeah, Robert movie. Duvall and oh uh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen Michael Caine. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Sit on the front porch and shoot things. Shoot yeah. at everyone that yeah. injured salesman. That. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which doctors that showed up? Kind of reminds me of my front porch a little bit. There you it go. Did uh, did hanging out at the bait shop? Did that lead into your storytelling ability? I think so. Had I have. really do. I think. Hanging out with my grandfather, I never knew what he was telling, if it was true or not, until I got older and the 15th or 16th time he repeated the story, that's how I knew it was a lie. What was your grandpa's name? Surely Frank had a, Butler. Frank Butler? What? Frank Butler, you Frank say? Frank Butler. Surely you had a, yes, had a nickname. Grandpa? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay. Like Frank was it. I know a Frank Butler. Me too. Where did I Is know it, Frank Butler from? One I knew was a accountant for a liquor distributor. Oh, this guy wasn't no accountant. He was no count, but he wasn't no accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Butler. So were you any good at school, Drew? Uh, I was good at getting out of stuff in school. There you go. So I'd, I'd work, and my mother always told me this, that you work harder to get out of something than it would take you to actually just do it. That sounds like a meth head stealing copper. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. That's pretty much me in school. I mean, I, I didn't have good grades hardly ever, and the only thing that was my saving grace is when they started doing uh, state testing and national testing and all that stuff. Come to find out I was pretty intelligent. 
Yeah. That got me through school, but it also got me out of doing a lot of stuff I wanted to do. There you mm-hmm. go. Uh, so what was your goal in school? Did you did you already set you out a goal that you were going to be a fireman, a, uh, a president, astronaut, something like that? Well, funny you say that. Uh, fireman was definitely on the list as well as I wanted to do auto body. So rather than doing vocational school, I couldn't do that. I had to take honors English and AP English and mm-hmm. honors and AP Spanish. And the AP Spanish, I found kind of funny because I never took Spanish one. But for some reason, I tested awful high on that standardized national <laughs> test. I said, oh, you got to be in all these honors and AP stuff. I could not convince that guidance counselor, one, that I had no business taking honors or AP Spanish. She didn't want to hear it. <laughs> so, so let's hear some Spanish. Didn't learn well, anything. Well, the only stuff I really know, I learned in Juarez, Mexico. You might not repeat that. It may or may not be appropriate for the show. <laughs> oh, I bet you it is. I bet we've all heard it. <laughs> I bet you. Una más cerveza. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Dande señorita, por favor. So did you get into the body work or did you get into the, the fireman? Well, I got into the fire. And uh, that was basically through a volunteer deal in a neighboring town called Union, Kentucky. And I went through that up till the time I went to college. And that's what I went to college for, is to do fire science. That did not take. Turns out, college, the best thing I was at was partying. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I made a pretty good career out of that. Made I think I made two and a half years of partying, and I had... I don't know, maybe maybe seven classes in that two and a half years I finished. Good for you, Drew. Seven of them. <laughs> Good. Absolutely. <laughs> Did a lot of couch surfing. Made a lot of new friends. Yeah. Cook. Did you all practice Sunday supper at, uh, in, in in your family? Yes, sir. Every Sunday at Grandma's house. Is this a fried and chicken deal? It was something different every time. Grandma and Grandpa had 14 kids. Whoa. So I had 71 or 72 first cousins on that side. Holy cow. Half of them showed up. It was a big deal. Is that Grandpa Frank? (laughs) Yes, sir. Grandpa Frank and all that time at the bait (laughs) shop had time for all that business. That's why he spent so much time (laughs) at the bait shop. The insurance. He did spend a little bit of time up up there at the house, I suppose. (laughs) Would have had to have been. Yeah. (laughs) On the bad weather days. Just a little bit. Yeah, those weather days. (laughs) Every time it rained. My God, you know shit had 71 cousins? Just on On one side. On one side. On one side. How many on your mom's side? How many siblings? Well, that is my mom's side. On dad's side, I couldn't tell you. I don't keep up with them as much. (laughs) So did you have any siblings? Like he, I've got two little brothers. All right, I got you. Unless my oldest son asks, and I let him know that I've got one little brother and one little sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if the grandparents, I, for some reason when I was a kid, my grandparents would always give me a $2 bill every year at Christmas. And, uh, and there was probably some other stuff, but there was... We damn sure didn't have 71 cousins. We probably had a dozen or so. I had quite a few. 71? I mean, I, was, I had nine. My mom had, I think it was nine on her side, brothers and sisters. Dang. Damn, you And then my, my dad had one sister, and it was like 14 of them. 14. She had 14 kids. Holy cow. 
Drew, so all these 71 cousins are right there in the same county? Uh, no, no, uh, they kind of spread out a little bit. We're, I think we're between three counties and four states now. Huh. But, that's uh, hard to do. Yeah, growing up was rough. Boy, yeah, that's you might run into point. one. That still seems, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, in high school, because, you know, I had to worry about second cousins, third cousins, <laughs> everything like that. So in high school, I'd always have to ask a girl what her mother's maiden name was before we'd go too far. <laughs> well... The girls that that wasn't a turnoff for was the ones I had to stay the hell away from. Exactly. <laughs> That's, right. Right. <laughs> That's right. So Sunday supper was a big deal. Granny did all the cooking? No, not always. Actually, my mother did. Mm. Believe it or not. So my mother was right in the middle of those 14 children. And, you know, Grandma pretty much was always pregnant. At some point, <laughs> yeah, time, was that. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason i had a mental i had a i had a visual in my mind of, of an old hound dog <laughs> just always bring <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking bad about your granny but i could just picture what that that uh that body package probably looked like running so do you remember your grandmother being pregnant like she had she was uh, pregnant at the same time huh I not. Yeah, she was uh her, the last child she had was nine years before i was born Wow. wow. Are you one of the oldest of the, well, are you one of the oldest of the cousins? Middle. No, I'm I'm right in the middle. Yeah. I'm right in the middle. The uh, the oldest of the cousins is about I think about a month younger than my youngest uncle. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, see so that my Yeah. My mother-in-law and her mom were pregnant about the same time. Michelle's huh. got an uncle that's a year older. Wow. Than we are. Wow. Yeah. Boy, and you aunt's s- younger than us. You just damn lucky that nobody in your family ever turned out to be like an axe murderer or something, because that would ruin a whole, that would ruin 30% of the population of a county. <laughs> <laughs> you see, boy, you got to stay away from them Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are certain pockets of the county people stay away from us. I'll be Did you get in much trouble when you were a young man? Oh, uh, you know, I, I didn't get caught as much as I should have, Good. but I definitely got into my share of stuff. Good for you. Yep. That's important. That's an important part of that's, a man growing up is getting in a little, little trouble and being able to avoid some trouble, I think. Yeah. Steer, being steer away from it. Just smart enough. Toeing the line. Joe, you know uh, anybody in Kentucky? You know, I was just thinking about that. I was passing through Kentucky one time. Man, I'm wanting to say Independence. But I don't know if that's right. Well, Independence is about oh, three and a half minutes from me. I, I used to <laughs> hang out in I run across an old, I think she may have been a nurse. Becky, I don't remember. I don't remember her last name, but she was a nurse. She was really nice. She was nice to me. But uh, anyway, that's the only. Old Becky. What a dog. White woman. She's white gal. You know, them white guys like us Hispanic fellas. Mm hmm. Definitely around here. Huh. But, uh, they need work. Old Becky didn't have no other names. You? I remember her last name was Moore. Oh, Becky Maybe Moore. she just kept screaming that. Hey, we'll Maybe that her. wasn't her name. I'll be damned. Drew, you know an old gal named Becky Moore? I can't say as I do, and if I did, I'd have to not comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. That's yeah, we'll common. Leave that alone. 
<laughs> so you uh, decided that you couldn't get that education there at the community college to get the fire science degree. So you went in on a volunteer uh, position well, at the fire department. I was actually volunteering before then. Gotcha. And the volunteering is what led me to think, well, that's what I'm going to do when I go to college. And Eastern Kentucky University had a pretty good fire science program, and that's what I was going to do. But then, you know, come along the problems of going to college. There were four girls to every man there. It's like Australia. That was an issue. Bummer. Well, pretty much, but in college. <laughs> and I don't know if you all know much about Kentucky women, but I'll tell you what, horses ain't the only beautiful, fast things we got around here. Hell yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it, it was a little rough through college and going to classes and had all them old good time buddies that, hey, we'll give you a ride to class. And two days later, you show back up. At your door. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I take it you spent a, a little bit of time looking over your mama's shoulder as she was cooking Sunday supper and probably paid attention a bit. I did a little bit. Uh, yeah, she that's as her favorite thing. And I still don't know why or how she loves to cook. Still does it to this day. She don't. I don't think she knows how to cook for two people. I mean, it's, it's ten to fifteen people or more. She's got it down, but two right. people, nah, that doesn't happen. That's <laughs> tough. Yeah, that's good for leftovers. Did you eat a lot of leftovers? Absolutely. Mm. That's that my favorite meal. Thursday Boy, me night too. leftover night. Well, more two, oh, year, two, two day old beans. That's after beans. four days. That's after the Sunday meal. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm in on that. Get, pork chops a little bit of steak and, and you can have mashed potatoes and lasagna all on the same plate what's not to love <laughs> i remember a mashed potato sandwich which mashed either, potato well sandwich. either tortilla or just some old white bread mashed potatoes in there a mashed potato pancake ain't hard to beat you know i mean you i'm gonna you ever try do that mashed potato pancakes pancake or that yeah the, the real similar to mashed mashed potatoes yeah. drew's got going on yeah uh, yeah that's the real deal I, you know, you were talking about them hot dogs. Boy, them look good, but I think it was a cigarette butt in there. <laughs> what? Pull up that picture. <laughs> I bet $3 a cigarette <laughs> butt. <laughs> you trying to get your money back? Joe? No, I've no, I've never been there. Is that a cigarette butt? <laughs> that right there? It's a piece of cabbage. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's so good I think it's <laughs> Not sure I've ever wanted to eat one until now. <laughs> So Drew, when you got when you got out of the community college there, the university or whatever it was in Kentucky, full of the hot, fresh women, fast, fast, fast and beautiful. Uh-huh. Where'd this put you? I uh, went up to Lexington, started pouring concrete. At last, until that company I worked for pretty much went under. And I come back home up to Boone County, did concrete until it got too cold to do that. Did some framing. And then I uh, started work for a company called D&D Industrial Contracting. I was a millwright, traveled the country for about, oh, five years. That was a great job. Seven days a week, had three days off a month. So the way I figured it is every night was a Saturday night, but every morning was a Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's awesome. Did, uh, That's awesome. You traveled the whole country, I reckon? Yes, sir. We- and I got to say... Going down to Arkansas this past time, y'all have really improved the road since my last trip. Thank you. <laughs> you must have drove through Oklahoma at some point. <laughs> That's what, now, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Back in July when I was driving that big old tour bus through Ohio, yeah, yeah. boys, he ain't got no business complaining about these Arkansas roads because when you're driving a 50-foot 
damn luxury bus through Ohio, mm-hmm. it'll jar a tooth. Oh, shit. Really? Mm. Oh, man. I was white-knuckled through that state. <laughs> and, I mean, just a nervous wreck, first of all. And I was hitting potholes, and then there's those burn marks on the side of the road where, like, a minivan shit. caught yeah, fire the night down. before. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, it's if you haven't been to Ohio, especially that southern part of Ohio, I mean, it's ain't a lot of difference between there and Kentucky, to be honest with you. I mean... Northern Kentucky. Oh, <laughs> From an outsider's view, there ain't a bunch of difference there. But then whenever you go, we went all the way up to Lake Lorraine or whatever it was. And and uh, just the amount of corn and crops. And I thought people in Arkansas mowed a lot of lawn. No. Those people in Ohio, they're mowing, for some reason, they like to mow seven, eight, ten acres for no man, apparent reason. Be great. That's my dad, man. He'll He's mow. got 15 acres and probably a three-acre pond, and he keeps it clean. It's huh. impressive. I it's, like to mow me some grass. It is <laughs> impressive. It's I don't know anything about pouring concrete, but I like to mow grass. <laughs> so, you, so you played the millwright role, and then at some point you decided you probably need to keep your ass closer to the house, huh? Yeah, yeah. I met a, met a gal who was a little special, and uh, after dating her for a couple months, I made a decision thought well i can either keep with the best job i ever had in my life or take a chance with this girl and about like everything else i've ever done in my life pick the scariest damn option you have available (laughs) (laughs) but that's worked out i guess huh absolutely yeah yeah we've been together for 13 yeah well shit hold on we've been married for 11 years and uh we were together for three or four years before that. So very good. Yeah. Quit that years. job, come back, start doing some landscaping and uh, some other stuff. And she called me pretty lazy, I guess, because I went from working seven days a week to work four days a week. And uh, hell yeah, for mayor, ended up bartending, believe it or not. Okay. Sort of bartending, bar backing, working security at bars in Cincinnati. Yeah, that was, I went back to seven days a week. Or it was seven nights a week. Yeah. Is that so, where you learned the horse neck drink you're drinking on? No, that was actually uh, my friend Wesley Petzinger introduced that to me. And I thought, well, that's a fine summer drink. And then next thing I know, it's a fine way to kill a bottle of bourbon any night of the week. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> so, so the uh, art of being a bartender is a lot of people don't realize because you know guys are coming in they're ordering a double they're ordering the damn beer or whatever yeah that's easy that's the easy part but getting into mixing these cocktails exactly and staying in the loop on the trend right because knowing what it is because there might be 10 drinks or the same drink with 10 different names yeah because think about this deal when we were in high school there was damn sure nothing called a moscow mule right they just didn't even know where Moscow was. There, <laughs> it was where Gorbachev had that red yeah. chicken shit yeah. on top of his forehead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was, <laughs> there was, uh, there was no copper cup sitting in the bar when you went in the bar. They didn't have such a thing. Probably toughest you, thing was a pina colada. What was our drink that we used to drink at the Neon Moon? Was it a rattlesnake? Man, I, th- I think I stumbled into them uh, tequila sunrise. Was the only like mixed drink? Remember I mean, that was the one with the what the hell was it? Uh, orange, orange juice, tequila, juice. and 
grenadine. Yeah. And I didn't like oh, that grenadine. I didn't like the grenadine, so I'd say hold the red shit because it was too sweet. <laughs> Keep the paprika out. <laughs> no, it was like a liqueur. Yeah, it's like a syrup. Yeah, yeah which man, that's the home of the Shirley Temple yeah. right there, that yeah, grenadine. There I cook with grenadine sometimes. Really? Yeah. I, well, that's what shit old Gorbachev had on his head. <laughs> yeah, I'll mix, <laughs> I, I'll mix some grenadine inside my barbecue sauce if I'm making up a barbecue sauce. It gives a good little color. It's got that sweetness in there, a yeah. little, little hint of sour. But a bartender. It's the only way I'll do cherry coke. Cherry coke with grenadine. Oh, there you if go. Yeah, if it don't come with grenadine, I don't want it. Uh, the not only do you have to be a scholar at making cocktails, but you also have to play a little bit of a psychologist because you're going to be dealt with every hand, yeah, you could ever imagine sitting inside there. How long did you play Oprah Winfrey in the bar? <laughs> uh, usually until the crowd came in. <laughs> <laughs> at, a, at a high volume bar type situation so we'd open up at eight o'clock and eight o'clock i might have a couple regulars coming in there and by 10 o'clock i've got about 300 people at the door oh dang that'd be from 10 to 2 is this a dance so bar or is this a just a drinking bar just just a drinking bar they called it the basement and uh it was at a bar called a live one there's two setups for it. You had the upstairs and downstairs. Downstairs is just the basement. And people go to the upstairs, and they won't come down to the downstairs until about 10 o'clock. So I didn't really have to deal with too much of the fancy drinks, mostly because I'd just tell them no. I'd have a girl walk up and say, I need 11, 12, 20 lemon drops. I'd just say, <laughs> nope, next. next. Go on through. Well, I mean, heck, you got that many people to go through. You right. can't, he can't sit there and do all that fancy stuff. Right. Which really played to my strengths, being mean and rocking and rolling. <laughs> <laughs> did you, uh, <laughs> did you meet any lifelong friends in the bar? Uh, yeah, believe it or not, I met my business partner at the restaurant at the bar. Gotcha. And, uh, he was, he was doing some chickens or something at the bar next door. And after it closed down, I got in her cooler and going to get a beer because we, we all kind of worked hand in hand and we party at different bars after closing. And I saw them chickens in there. I thought, damn, I'm hungry. We're going to get one of them. So I snagged me a chicken and we all sat there and ate it. And I met him the next day and figured out whose chicken I'd stolen. Well, we got to talking and bullshitting and I let him know what I'd done and he wasn't too heartbroken about it. Next thing I knew, I was seven nights a week at the bar, seven days a week with him learning different barbecue stuff together and hell we was just we was just gypsies out there on the street selling started with the chicken then we did pulled pork and we had the uh, baked beans and did hot dogs and added all kinds of stuff throughout and by the end of that shit we decided to open up a restaurant so were you any, Eli? yeah were you any sort of cook before this uh i was going to culinary school but i never took any actual cooking classes there <laughs> Okay. So you learned how to fold napkins. <laughs> no, no, I just did uh, did more of the business stuff. Okay. More on the business end. I kind of took those classes, and then, hell, I just kind of ran out of time. I was burning at three ends. I was like, hell, with it, school can come last. Right. Just go ahead, and I'll, I'll figure out what i got to do. Works first. So you're working full-time as a bartender and slinging barbecue on the side of the road? Correct. How long? And sleep. Uh, about, a, about a year and a half, two years is what I was doing the bartending. And about a, 
oh, I'd say about a year doing the barbecue before we open up a restaurant. And then all that time, if you come through Cincinnati, it wouldn't be nothing to see me sleeping on a park bench or on a bus bench or anywhere. And ain't because I didn't have nowhere else to go. It's just because I didn't have time to go nowhere else. And you're married during this time? No, not yet. But you're together. That, was, that, that Well, no, that was the point of time that uh, my lovely lady had broken up with me. Mm. So I had a year, about a year long, uh, I guess you call it like, what, what would the Amish call it? A rum springer type thing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rum springer. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you went back. You didn't just stay out. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. When I got that phone call, she found my checkbook. I thought, well, I better check back up on this. I'll so. be damned. So you, when you guys started creating this barbecue, what was the what was the profile of the barbecue? Was it? Was it uh, a Texas-style barbecue, Kansas City, or was it just y'all were winging it and throwing shit together and make it taste good? More, more on the last part, but mostly we were trying to figure out something that no matter where somebody was from or what they thought was good barbecue, they could pick something of that out there. It, it, that's what we were going for. You know, that's something that I know me and Bill's talked about in the past, but barbecue's one of these deals. If someone says... Carolinas has the best barbecue. That's because you're from the damn Carolinas. Exactly. It's yeah. uh, it's one of those or Texas. Yeah, or, yeah. And so, you know, when when I talk about Memphis, it's kind of in the middle of that whole deal, and it's a hodgepodge of all of these different barbecues kind of stuck together. Uh, with the one thing being, they took beef out of it. Right. There's not a lot of beef in in Memphis. Memphis is whole hogs yeah. and and Pork all of chicken, that. Yeah. Um, you used to couldn't find a good brisket in Arkansas or Memphis or anywhere around there. It just last, you know, 30, yeah. 30 years or so, it's changed. But. I I can actually remember first time ordering brisket off of a barbecue menu and like kind of wondering what the hell brisket was. You know, I was just so used to eating pig. Right. As well, I think they really screwed up pork barbecue when they started pulling it apart instead of slicing it and chopping it I'm and the same finishing way. it on a grill but Are you serious? i can't stand pull pork i'm not a big barbecue a big pull pork or chopping brisket give me the butt and slice event. that puppy up and if it can't slice chop it up throw it on the top of the griddle and hmm. make it happening but i grew I, up with it that way so that's right. usually the case i'm gonna tell you that's how we do it on the griddle that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, but they're pooling it. You're pooling it and then putting it on the flat yeah, that's top. What, that's what he's in. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, we'll, pull it. we'll pull it. We'll pull it and then we throw it in the cooler overnight. And then when somebody orders, we'll pull some out, throw it on that griddle, hit it with our mop sauce. Well, that and improves we use a pizza it. cutter to top it up. Mm-hmm. So that mop cutter. sauce we got brings it all right back up. Yeah, no. Hey, watch tasty. out. Y'all have to try when we come up. Hey, watch way. out. There's so much behind you. There's a man staring at you right behind you. Got a cowboy hat on and a big nose. (laughs) (laughs) There's a... So... Waldo. Was barbecue... When you guys started, how long has it been? 12, 15 years, something like that? Uh, Right around, I guess, for 12-year anniversary is coming up, or about 13 years, 14 years, something like that we've been doing it. Was barbecue already established in Cincinnati at that time? No, what they called barbecue around here was really not at all. They, they'd uh, cook their ribs and bags, basically like your turkey bags for Thanksgiving, and kind oh, of a, shit. I don't know how to describe the sauce. It wasn't that good. Pretty slimy and not very good. 
<laughs> slimy. You know, we kind of never heard of slimy sauce. <laughs> yeah, they we, we kind of played the barbecue scene around Cincinnati, and now there's shoot, I, I can't even count how many barbecue restaurants we got now. So now they're trying to but copy what they're trying to copy what you guys are doing, or no, sir. Every everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Uh, I've helped a couple people along the way. That's one thing I always say. If somebody wants to know anything I know, I'm more than happy to show them. More than happy to teach them and tell them where I screwed up. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's not so much a secret recipe as it is. Are you willing to do it? Right. No one had to do it. We we talk about that all the time, Drew. You can write down that recipe, hand that recipe out to somebody, but unless they cook it the way that you cooked it, it ain't going to taste the same. Exactly. And unless they want to. Yeah, right. and so barbecue's been one of these things that, uh, you know, there there really ain't a lot of secrets. People will tell you exactly how they did it because they trust that they could do it better than you anyways. And, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> and so that gives the character to barbecue. It's like going to 10 different taco shops mm-hmm. in northwest Arkansas. Everybody's going to do many, it a little bit. How many different. are within a quarter half a mile of where we're at right uh, now i mean there's a pile of tacos and uh you know you choose which one you like and that's what barbecue's all about it someone <laughs> may say that your barbecue's the worst they ever had but then you got 10 other people tell you it's the best you bet and it's all it's all how you put it together so the story of of your partner eli and you coming up with this business model of starting a successful barbecue restaurant. First of all, this is what I know about the restaurant industry. If you could last two years, you've done something. Yeah. Um, we see them around here all the time. They put a big neon sign, buy all new equipment, uh, rent a high dollar lease space, and next thing you know, man, somebody else is using that fryer. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the restaurant industry is just a real tough deal to get into. What was kind of your guys' business model, your plan? Uh, obviously, it was to serve people good food, but you probably had some intentions. You, I mean, I know, Drew, you and I are the same. We'll just throw shit up against the wall and hope it sticks. But That's pretty much what it was. <laughs> was it? <laughs> I, I, maybe you and I could teach that to people, that sometimes just taking a chance is the way to do it. Joe, I'm not sure if you could teach people how to have balls. Well, that's true. True story. I, I agree with that. True story. <laughs> you, you know, if we all followed the same business model, all the businesses would be the same. Mm-hmm. And it takes right. somebody to, to risk it a little bit and go out there and have a set of balls and say, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. And maybe it's going to be the right way. Hell, maybe we fall on our face. We won't know till we get there. But... What kind of investment did it take to get into the industry? So, uh, like I said, we were doing a bunch of gypsy type stuff on the side of the road, pop-up type deals at uh, a place called Fountain Square, another one called Finley Market. And uh, after doing that for about a year or so, we decided, hell, let's let's make a go at it. And we found this building down on the east end of Cincinnati. Buddy, I'll tell you what, when I walked in there, I was scared to death. It's an old shotgun house. And when you stepped on that floor, it moved about 12 different ways. Mm. And I found out why when we finally got in there. They had 
hardwood and then laminate on top of that, carpet on top of that, <laughs> laminate on top of that, carpet on top of that, laminate on top of that. I mean, it was a little odd. The acoustics were so great. We, oh, buddy. <laughs> we walked into that place, and I looked around, and I said, there ain't no way in hell we can make a restaurant out of this. Now, the realtor, he owned the place, and he was showing us around, this, that, and the other. We go walking outside, and I'm a little disheartened about the whole thing, and there's two fellas out there in the back alley behind the place. They start shooting at each other. Pull out their pistols, start shooting at each other. I looked at the realtor. I said, you want to discuss that price a little bit? <laughs> and he said, well, maybe. Maybe we will. But it turned out these two guys were brothers. And uh, you'd give them a little bit. <laughs> Ray, no, no. Their names were Ray and Richard. I didn't meet them until about three or four months later. And they ended up becoming real good friends of mine. But, uh, yeah, we went through and looked at that and tried to figure out how we was going to do it. Well, my business partner didn't have any money. I didn't have a whole lot, but I cashed in my 401Ks, maxed out my credit cards, uh, sold sold my car. That's those balls you were talking about. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. The only thing I had left in my name that I was willing to possibly give up was a Benelli Super Black Eagle I just bought myself for Christmas two years before. Damn it, son. And yeah, well, I ended up selling that, too. So the night we come to open, we got everything set up, ready to go, and we're bare bones. And I realized, hell, I ain't got no chain. What am I going to do if somebody comes in without exact change? Mm. So I called my little brother up, and I said, hey, brother, I got a proposition for you. He said, well, what do you need? I said, buddy, I got I got to have $600. I need it in tens, fives, singles, and some quarters. And they said, there ain't no chance in hell, Drew. So... I made him the offer. I said, well, I'll give you 10% of my business, or I'll give you that Benelli Super Black Eagle. He said, I'll take the gun. So that's that that's was our Martin. first night. Uh-huh. Absolutely. He ended up giving me that gun back a few years later, but, uh, yeah, I think good. on that one. That's probably good. <laughs> I'd done it for eight. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Aaron? I mean, that's probably a good move for drew for his brother not to take 10 percent. well well let's let's talk about how big drew's balls are ginormous must hurt to sit he, down yeah he's sitting on them right now <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about drew's balls so he's going to put in a barbecue restaurant in a town that's not familiar with barbecue mm -hmm. so that ain't that ain't a whole lot different than this dude who opened up the turkish restaurant down the road here You've got to have either good prices to get them in the first time. The second time, you got to have you got to have good prices, and you've got to have quality barbecue. As a business model, if you're going to bait people into to a thing that they're not used to, it damn sure can't be thirty dollars a plate. You know, right? So is that is that the method y'all took? Did you you go in cheap? Yeah, we were uh, five dollars for a sandwich, and you got about a third to a half a pound of meat on your sandwich, and then two of the homemade sides. You can add that on there for seven bucks. Gotcha. So you got seven dollars total in a meal. But I mean, man, I'm gonna tell you right now, nobody wants to stop in that neighborhood, or that part of that neighborhood, or anything. We were it was a pass through the whole area, pretty dilapidated. And it's a area called Columbia Tusculum. It was the original settlement in Cincinnati. And, you know, lots changed. But at that time, 
Man, Pretty I'm rough. telling you right now, I don't think very many people would stop in there. And I knew they wouldn't. And we seen it, but we'd see the traffic, people going to and fro to the nice neighborhoods from the city and everything like that. And the way I kind of got people in, I found this old shitty pig costume. And I mean, it was a full body head, <laughs> like head covering like that. Pig and I'd costume. sit out there during the rush hour, and I had a sign with the pig cutout. Well, here's a cutout right here. That cutout. I'd have a sign with that, said parking, and an arrow pointed that way, and I'd smoke a cigarette, and I'd just sit there and wait for people to stop. And they slow down because traffic get busy. Somebody looked at me and said, what are you supposed to be? I said, smoke pork. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> so we had a little bit of a following from our gypsy days there, and uh, that, that kind of helped a little bit, but definitely just being out there, sitting out there. You just kind of dared them, dared them to come in. Absolutely. Yeah, come on in here. So that first Uh, night when you needed the $600 in change, what kind of business did you do the first night you're open? I think we had a grand total of 12 people come in there and eat, and I was plum tickled with that. Yeah. And that was mostly friends and family. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So So, is that still your original location, or have you guys had to? It is. Wow. That is still the original location. And you're still there. So obviously times have changed in that area. You mentioned that earlier. That's a lot different now. They have, and uh, I don't want to say necessarily for the better or worse, but I will tell you when we moved in there, gunshots were a normal thing, and it wasn't four or five years later, and your music's too loud, you need to turn it down, we're calling the cops. Right. So it, it, it got that, what do they call it, gentrification. It got gentrified. <laughs> uh, let's let's speak upon this for a moment. The the general population is so concerned of letting our government change these poverty areas. They, they, we think that the Democrats or the Republicans will be the ones who could come into a poor town or a poor side of town, and they're going to be the one who's going to fix stuff. I tell you who the people are who fix stuff. It's small business owners. Absolutely. Right, right. Small <clears throat> business owners come in. They got Drew-sized balls on them, and they establish a restaurant. They establish a business. They make people understand that, yeah, you may have a chance of getting shot over here, but, but you'll get some good barbecue. <laughs> but you're going to die with a little grease on your lips. <laughs> but, you, you know, these small business owners, hey, it's happened in every old side of town in northwest Arkansas. When that side of town kind of drifts away and dies off and gets spooky, it's the small business, it's the restaurants mm-hmm. who come in, they take that cheaper real estate, they dress it up, they serve a good meal, and you start forgetting that old Ray Ray was back in the back trying to shoot his brother Clyde or whatever. <laughs> um, it's, it's just one of those deals. So investment in those areas given by the small business owner you don't need no city council member to build up that community. You need people with Drew-sized balls, passion, uh, risk takers, who can go in there and do something, yeah. and you'll see change. I mean, think about like Ozark Beer Company, right? They took an old feed mill over there, and they've turned Ozark Beer Company into just a stud of a, What's the address on that, Bill? 
109 North Arkansas Street. <laughs> <laughs> it's a destination point, brothers and but, sisters. But so what you did, yeah, did, it is. did you have the mayor come out and cut the ribbon or anything that day when y'all opened up? <laughs> Nobody even knew we was opening. No kidding. I don't think anybody really knew we opened until about a month after we did. So you started. I mean, you started serving them good food at a good price, and they started flooding in. Yeah, I got to pay myself about six months in. That's about right. to get my first little paycheck out of it. That's pretty good. I so guess. that was all right. It was a good thing I didn't have a family, or I wouldn't have been able to do that. Right. Right. So was it was it hard to find? I mean. Obviously, when you and, and Eli first get this deal going, it's probably just the two of you running the place, right? You didn't have any other staff. And, just does. And so, say five months in, are you thinking, boy, I screwed up that 401k, or do you still got the, the heart and the passion in this deal? Oh, uh, we, We've had a lot of trials and tribulations throughout the way, but, man, I've, I've never really given up. Hell, I can't afford to give up on it. Right. I'm I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm getting too fat and lazy to finish out anything else completely. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, twelve years of having a business partner is is a big deal too. That's, yeah, that's quite the milestone there. Yeah, especially I mean, in a restaurant. Yeah, that's twelve years of going through shit. I bet you through COVID. How was COVID? Terrible. Absolute hell. During COVID, I went and started uh, selling chemicals. I was a chemical salesman and delivery boy for a chemical company, so I could afford to still pay my staff and keep them on. Wow, that's so it was rough. That's that's the quality of people. That's exactly. why it's it's so important. You know, me and Aaron, and Joe, and Bill, we all dine at mom and pop operations. Um, you don't see us going to franchises. You don't see us going to fast food restaurants. Because when you put that money out of your pocket into their pocket, I mean, me and Joe ate pork loin sandwiches today. They were damn good. Great. They yeah. were cheap. I mean, for what you got, Aaron, you had one with me yeah. yesterday. <laughs> you ate one you ate there yesterday, too. I ate that same pork loin hey, sandwich. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's a damn good pork loin sandwich, boys. It, it hangs is. over the bun, what, three inches all the way around? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, that's how you start. Yeah, you just kind of <laughs> munch around. all the way around that bun. You <laughs> slather that deal with that mayo, right? Mm-hmm. Little Luke's, you bet. But, you know, that little old gal. Did you try that new sloppy mayo? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you that's, can. That's mayo for a pork loin sandwich there. That's you a Roger Mayo. When you take that pork loin and you slice it up into them chops and then you go to hi yeah, smashing Smash that it. deal and getting that thing stretched out the size of a dinner plate mm-hmm. and you bread it right, you don't want that breading to fall off there. Bill, you following me? Like I'm wondering where you were. Kind of like yeah. schnitzel. You, you ever had schnitzel? Oh, yeah. It's the same. Basically, same a pork right, loin yeah. sandwich is a schnitzel, but Oof. we were at first seat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you want to eat there tomorrow? You know. Joe's in. We ate at first seat, man. And they do a damn good job of a pork loin sandwich. Their French fries are unique. They're a steak cut fry. That's, I love them. That's oh, a third. Great. Of, Drew, have you ever had a steak cut fry that's a third of the thickness? Right. These, really? the, yeah, they're a oh, steak man, they're cut badass. fry 
and they're, they're really crispy. Oh, they're oh, yeah. they're oh, just a little bit thicker than a potato chip. They're good. Yeah. But you still got a little bit of the skin same on size, the same size and everything, but just yeah, about you know, yeah, about a Thin. third. Yeah, and mm. that guy's from Hiawassee. Yeah, one of the owners from Hiawassee. It's Turner an exceptional husband. fry, and yeah, it really is. Let me just tell you right now, beer's cold and whiskey's good. You can plumb screw up something as simple as a French fry real easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some French fries that ain't even fit to eat. Most people do. Yeah. Right. But a steak cut fry, a third of the thickness, is a magical thing because it's almost like a riverbank fried potato. Oh, yeah. You know? So back to small business, Drew and Eli. You guys take this risk. Obviously, COVID was a rough deal on all of the businesses. Did you all start doing the takeout deal and all that? Yeah, we definitely tried to do that. Uh, put up what they call them things, all the all the fancy barriers and oh, everything yeah. that's going to protect everybody. That probably we saved your ass, <laughs> That saved your oh, ass. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> sprinkle the fairy dust. Plexiglass <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Spent $10,000 on plexiglass. <laughs> uh-huh. Did you, you know, one of the things I know from the small restaurants is what happened during that deal is their condiment price went way down. See, I because, never did wear them. Well, you should. You should. <laughs> Joe never wore them condiments. Uh, but what happens is, is when you go into a restaurant and you put big old gloop of this and that and the other thing on top of your little basket that you served in, you don't realize that that's the bottom line of these guys who are making their groceries. The condiments inside of a restaurant is enormous. Um, mm-hmm. he, plastic forks the paper towels all of this stuff that's sitting on the table that they gave you first i want a restaurant to cook a meal like they wanted me to eat it already you know i i want you to prepare that deal like you want me to eat it and i shouldn't have to put nothing up on top exactly of it. yeah you're right but but duke's mayonnaise other than that <laughs> i'm good but the majority like of majority of people will go to sop and condiments on stuff and uh, if you remember during COVID, like Taco Bell run out of packets of hot sauce and, right. and stuff like that. I don't uh, need Taco Bell. Chick-fil-A sauce. Chick-fil-A sauce. All mm-hmm. of these deals you've seen on the news. Condiments cost a small business a pile of money. There's probably oh, yeah. a ton of stuff, Drew, that you learned from going from a gypsy into a brick and mortar that you guys mm-hmm. didn't have a clue. What's some of those things? Well, he took it in Vegas culinary. Credit yeah. cards. <laughs> yeah, credit cards is the biggest thing. And we, we'd actually gotten in trouble with the IRS at one point in time because we were a cash, check, or reds tickets only. That's what we did. I would, hell, tickets. I'd even take personal IOUs. Right. So we, oh, yeah, we, we trade for reds tickets. And hell, if I couldn't go, give them to the employees. If they couldn't go, we'd give them away to whoever. And we'd just trade face value for the amount of food. But we started getting hammered on because that was the height of our popularity. And I'm taking, you know, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a week in cash to a damn bank. And obviously I'm flagged. I'll tell you, I'll put you like it. I, I still get audited every single year, no matter what. I think you're a drug dealer. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. They think I'm laundering money. Uh, and that that was a big eye opener when we went to the credit cards. You know, thinking, okay, this clears up and everything like that. Everybody will see that 
we're legit, this, that, and the other, which anybody from Cincinnati already knew. They already knew because you walk in there. Like I said, it's a little shotgun building. We got 24 seats inside, and we've got a big area outside. You can sit, stuff like that. It was nothing for a Wednesday or Thursday night to have a three-hour wait. A line going down the block and and down the other block. And people would wait. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. So it never made sense to me why people thought, hell, they ain't making all that money. They just didn't drive by. Absolutely. As it was what it was, we started taking credit cards. And that's something I'm sure most of America does not think about. Tell us about it. You pay with a credit card. Okay, you got a fella goes in and pays with a credit card. Very first thing that's going to happen is that money is not going to go to that business yet. That money is going to sit in an account with that credit card processor for, oh, about 30, 40 days. Whoa. So that's first off, you don't get your money right away. Second off, they're going to take off their fee. So that'd be 2 3%, depending on what kind of terms you've worked out. Now, here's the worst part. Everybody that likes using a credit card. Everybody likes using it for the ease, the comfort, but also, hey, I get, back, my yeah. I get my points. Well, that comes directly out of the restaurants into or the small business or whoever mm-hmm. as well. So all that comes out, and it took me a little bit of a learning curve to figure that out because starting off like, yeah, I can make a living off of what I'm doing, and at the time we were $6 sandwich and $1.50 for a side. But that pretty much swipes it out that takes away all your profit if you're a person like me who you know starting off i'm making 35 cents a pork sandwich and we were based on volume because we had so many people coming in we wanted to make that volume we started taking credit cards that wiped that out completely Mm. now we don't hardly have any cash everybody does credit card your float your float disappears you just your float disappears for 30 45 days I mean, exactly. you got to catch up with that. That's so the tough. moral of the story is, if you go to, you know, mom and pop, pay cash, and and I usually do. I do too. But I mean, but but I'm right there. On the other hand, I mean, I I mean, I mean, I got a credit card that I like to make points on, mm-hmm. and I use that Absolutely. so much all the time. Yeah. Do, do yeah. you guys? So now you have wait staff, right? Well, kinda. We have serving staff. So you walk up, you order what you want. You get a little buzzer and you go sit down, and then somebody will bring you your food. Right. Gotcha. So, something that I think is complete bullshit that's that started in the last I don't know ten years, maybe less, is this thing to Martinez tipped the waitress at the at the pork loin joint today a ten dollar bill. Okay, that was that was ten dollars on a twenty five dollar meal. Okay, that's that's pretty decent tip. She had big tits. <laughs> so, so it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty decent tip. The thing that gets me is when you've got a couple rock star waitresses in a joint and five or six dead weights, and they take all the tips, put them in one and jar, it up. and sort it out. Straight bullshit. At the end of the month or whatever, that is. The worst business idea. I think that's the end called of the week. socialism. I think I think it is socialism. In- I think it's the end of the week, but same deal. It's, and when yeah, Olivia was, was there at the local place, mm-hmm. 
uh, it was once a month. Once and a month? Once a month. They split. And they pay them like two bucks an hour. Yeah, and they there. split that money once a month. And it wasn't just front of the house. Back of the house got a stab at the tip jar. So mm-hmm. we've got we've got a local place also that did the same thing. And they wound up and on Fox News. They and sure we did. would always, <laughs> we would always, we wouldn't tip on the on the deal, on the card, but we would give cash to whoever our... Yeah, and they'll get their ass fired if they catch them so taking it. Scout. It's just a bullshit. You're right. It's mm-hmm. a socialist bullshit that we're all equal. And let me tell you what, we've ate it in enough restaurants, no difference between a good waiter or waitress right. and a bad one. And there's damn sure a lot of bad ones. There had been an- anarchy when I was a waiter. Now, yeah. we did have to tip out our bartender and our maitre d's. But it was a high-class place, and I made in 1976. Never even been a place. I made thirty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. I reported as a waiter. Damn it, boy! Well, you could buy a lot of acid. Seventy-six, seventy-seven. God damn! Was you driving well, a Porsche? No, no. But I was, I was driving a big old van. It would haul more pot in it. <laughs> gotcha. So, so here locally in, in this northwest corner of Arkansas. And for that matter, when when I was down in Florida last year, you know, a lot of businesses don't have waitresses. They don't have hostess. Um, they're just not available. Can't find them. Mm-hmm. And so us, the consumer, we sacrifice that good experience by not having those quality waitresses, waiters inside place. Do you all have a hard time finding uh, workers in Cincinnati? So... It's, it's off and on. It's not as easy as it used to be, and that's going to be a whole different conversation. That's more about generational differences you bet. than anything else. But I want to touch on your tipping thing here real quick. So we do that, what she's talking about. Yeah, I was going to see share. the tip share. Yep, we absolutely do. But <laughs> let me tell you a couple things about it, and it's why it's good for some restaurants and not for others. So as you were saying with waitresses, Absolutely, if you have a waiter or waitress, there should not be tip shared. We don't have that. What we have is you walk in, you order from an order person, and that order person runs it through to the kitchen, and then the kitchen staff makes it, and it might be the kitchen staff, it might be the ordering person, hell, it might be the dish boy brings it out to you. And it could be any of them people who clean it up. Mm. And we kind of figured that out years ago, that we kind of treat everybody, you know, I don't want to say. Go ahead, say it. Come on. They got different jobs, but I will. I will put to you this: I ain't got nobody works at my restaurant makes less than ten dollars an hour. Yeah. So it's it's not a you know you're making two fifty or three or whatever minimum wage is right. for whatever you're making an actual wage, and then on top of that, right, get and the tip. That- and that's and that's the difference. And I could see what what you're saying, Drew, makes perfect makes sense. sense. But there's, yeah. there's there's girls that are paying we're paying them two fifty an hour. Yeah, it's horrible. And the end tips, and then they're having to share it with somebody that's a lazy ass. Yeah, that, and and tipping oh, yeah. is generational, right? I mean, if you were a, if it's a hot spot for teenagers. They ain't getting any tips. They ain't getting no tips. <laughs> yeah, they hey, especially today because none of them have cash. You are? I'm very anti-tip. And when I say that, I tip the hell out of anybody when I go somewhere. If I give somebody 15%, that means they're a piss-poor, shit-ass waiter or waitress, and I'm pissed off at them. But 
my wife gets a little upset with me on that, but you know, cause we both work the service industry, but I mean, just, just as a matter of somebody has to rely on a tip, right? Know, tip stands for to ensure prompt service. That's right. Why do you do that? That don't make sense. And why in the hell don't these people? And that's why I start people off a lot higher than they're going to be anywhere else. Cause I don't want them to rely on a tip. That tip's right. just, that's just extra honey on your biscuit. You bet. It was started by the large uh, companies, the large uh, restaurant companies, to get that push through. You know, at the time, Red Lobster and different folks like that, General Foods, just to lower their cost of doing business. Exactly. So they were not, paying them shit. That was and where they, yeah. it all got pushed just like through. Like he says, just like Drew says. I mean, when I was waiting tables at Fridays, it was a dollar ten an hour. Yeah, yeah, but that was well, 1970. But that didn't, but they didn't even pay us that because we were making such good money, and it was a great place to go. But uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't care. I worked for tips. Yeah, hmm. you're the only, you're the only second person I ever heard say to ensure prompt service. It's on the front. I end. actually never knew that. I yeah, never. I don't my, want to sound like a dumbass with you, Martinez, but I didn't know that. I did not know yeah, that. My dad told me that. I'm used to sound like a dumbass. I didn't know that. Years ago, he said, "You tip on the front end. It's to ensure prompt service. You get that seat." Absolutely. Did not know. Okay, that. Yeah. so back to your bartending days. If me yep. and Martinez walk up to the bar, we grab that first drink from you, and we throw you a twenty. Is that is that tip to ensure prompt service? That's I'm looking out for you over top of the people who've been standing in line for 20 minutes. If you're on the corner of the bar, you got them. And that's what I will always do. If I go into a bar, I'm going to tip. Absolutely. Because I don't want to. I don't want to look you up to get another drink. Yeah. Right. You're going to be look. You're going to be looking for me to just give you one of them. Mm -hmm. So in in a bar situation, a tip is is good for the consumer. Do you want to wait for your next drink or do you not want to wait? Because it's on the front end. Well, you got to be careful with that, Joe. You got to make sure if he's going into a bar that's a little bit happening, a little busier, and they right. got two or and three I understand bartenders, that. And I understand that. You need to make sure that every one of them sees you hand that money exactly. to somebody. Not just stick it in the jar. Right. I, I will wait I'll for him. I'll hold that 20 till he's who he yeah, whoever's coming. And they well, see me and stick it, it in That's there. Nice whole move. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, I'm not just saying. That. I will hold up so much in my hand until they they see me stick it in there. Yeah. I'll do it nonchalantly. I'm not gonna. Ba-da-da, shake it, buddy, baby, do that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I'll, I'll tell you one of my moves. I'll, I'll, I'll order like something cheap, like say a say a PBR two dollars and fifty cents. I'll hand them a twenty and a five, and I'll say thank you so much. Keep change. I'll be back. Mm-hmm. So maybe not necessarily what I want to do, but that way I'm not putting the money in a jar. Right. And they see, okay, here we go. And then they've got that eye contact. They know what you're doing. They know who you are. And they're not thinking you're just dropping money in the jar and walking out. Yeah, the only bad thing about that is they might bring you another PBR. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's why you just walk up and say, hey, I'm in the mood to switch it up. <laughs> I'm feeling a little sussy. So were you, when you were a bartender, were you much of a showman back behind that, that, uh, that bar? Like cocktail, flipping that shit around? Flipping you know, out. I was awful good at pouring a Jim Beam. <laughs> real good uh i'd shake cocktails now i didn't do too much we didn't have a whole lot of room back there to do too awful much and like i said it was it would start off slow and i'd play some weird stuff on the tv we had a little tv up there 
And my favorite thing to play was that movie Clockwork Orange. So I've got four or five people in there, and they're watching so intent and so disgusted. No idea what the <laughs> hell is about to happen next. And all of a sudden, the floodgates open from the big dance club next door, and there's 200 more people in there. Mm. And those original people don't know what to do, completely surrounded with people, and the new people are looking up and looking at that. What the hell is this? <laughs> it means drink whiskey. Let's go. <laughs> Let's uh, but yeah, I, whiskey and beer is by far the the easiest. Since since you're the 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 uh, Briar boy from Kentucky, let's uh, break into talking about bourbon a little bit. Yeah, and uh, the the top shelf and the bottom shelf and the things in between. You know, you've you've grown up in around this brown water. Uh, yes, sir. It, it's been a deal to where you've seen every fad come through. Let's talk about Jim Beam. We, as modern redneck men, we grew up with Jim Beam in the pickup truck. And you know what? It was damn fine when we had it. Uh, now, oh, yeah. now, whenever someone says what kind of whiskey you want, you don't want the Jim Beam. Um, there's these hidden jewels on the shelf at the liquor store. That we bypass all the time. They may cost fourteen ninety nine, but you know, for some reason, right now we think that if you ain't paying fifty, sixty dollars for a bottle of whiskey, you're you're drinking bathtub Trash. shit, right? Um, so, what's the truth behind bourbon whiskey? It's all honestly, it's all on your palate. You and the first thing you want to look for if you want to try to figure out what you like, figure out the mash bill of things that you like. And then find things with similar mash bills, which that's all kind of nerd talk. And my buddies have talked me into the nerd talk. I'm more of a pop it open and drink it kind of guy and find out myself. But, uh, yeah, definitely. I've, I've gone from everything Old Crow for 50-cent whiskey nights down there when I was playing rugby at Eastern and all the way up to all the Van Winkles, which I don't really care for, the you know, all the fancy stuff, the Willets, the George T. Staggs, William LaRue Wellers. I mean, hell, you name it, kind of had had quite a few of them. And to me, honestly, I will stick with usually, oh, what we got here? The old Forrester 86 proof, old Granddad 114 proof, great. You know, it's it's nice to have these big fancy ones every so often, but really, all you're doing is just being a being a bourbon nerd mm-hmm. that's really all it is i mean it's it's got a little bit of difference of taste a little this a little that but is it worth it no right. not unless you're really really into it yeah. it's just, and, and it's, i'm really really into it and just like you said it's just what, it's just whatever your taste is i mean hey i'm i'm a guy from arkansas that relatives are from mexico and i'm i drink canadian whiskey do you? It's because I like. I mean, that's what I like. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Do you now? Yeah. No. But, that, but the whiskey collection, it's a pretty big deal. Like, oh yeah. And a, I've got. I know a lot of people and have met a lot of people that I'll go to a wedding or something, and we'll sit talk whiskeys, bourbons, whatever it may be for hours, and they're all. They're, I'm. I'm more like Drew here. Not. I like the way it tastes. If I like it, I'd like right. it. If I don't, and that's me. I'll still drink well, it. But with that being said, I'll, I'll give you a little panoramic of yeah. How many bottles do you say were in there? Seventy-five is what I just counted. 
You're and a little short. Right now, that's, about, uh, that's, the, that's if they're single stack. 250 to 300. Yeah, that's a pretty good yeah. collection. This is the basement bourbon, and I got garage bourbon, fridge bourbon, <laughs> uh, pickup bourbon. I've got kitchen bourbon and truck bourbon. There you go. So, so <laughs> with that being with that being said, you know, I like my bourbon over ice. Yeah. Period. I like it to be chilled. Now that ain't to say I ain't gonna grab a bottle and take a sip out of there and tell you. I don't if it's like good. to do that. I don't like to do shots. Yeah. And no, it's a if waste. It's even shots it's, of Crown. I just I like it cold with ice in a glass to sip it, yeah. preferably styrofoam. Is the Kentucky Chew a real deal? Is the what? Kentucky Chew, where the, where you chew on this whiskey a little bit. You ever heard about this? Being from Kentucky and all. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let let it sit in there a little bit. Yeah, chew it with the let back teeth. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. The more you let it sit and you let it roll around on that tongue, that roll around in your mouth, it opens up a lot more flavor. Hmm. So I know there, you know, like like said, absolutely. <laughs> like I said, you know, going through all these different bourbons, there's you know, there's some I like making a horse's neck out of it. There's some I'll do over ice, and there's quite a few. I'll just pour in a glass and have a sip of it. Tell the listeners about this horse neck. That's something I don't think they're familiar with. All right. So horse's neck, if you ever look it up in any bartending Bibles or anything like that, a lot of times you boys are going to get a kick out of this. Uh, they make it with cognac. But we all know how much I like cognac. Yeah, won you a world <laughs> so, championship. Uh, <laughs> No, not, not much. <laughs> not, not having it won you a world championships. Excuse me. Right. So, uh, yeah, usually I'd start off with a big, tall glass of ice, take a lemon, and you want to skin that lemon. Don't don't get any of the white on there. You just want the yellow, just the zest. And if you want to be really fancy, and I'm not fancy, I'm just fantastic, <laughs> so I don't do this too much, get you a match, strike that match, let it burn off that sulfur. You can... Kind of light it up there a little bit, but I don't do that shit unless I'm doing it fancy for a lady or something. You rim your glass, throw it in there, do you about four or five dashes of bitters, do half bourbon and half a ginger ale. You got something that's delicious all summer long, all winter long, all night long, all morning long, whatever you need. <laughs> they're into barbecue, cooking women say they're good looking into me, there ain't a way to go wrong. If you're out at the lake or with the hippies getting baked, they're gonna love it if you turn it on. If laughter and good times, tall tales and big lies fall under your category, get with Aaron and Joe's cause you know you wanna go and hear them cooking up a story. Just get with Aaron and Joe's, hey you know you wanna go and hear them cooking up a story. 